0: conversations presented by Arcadia Publishing and the History Press. I'm Johnny Foster. Remember to visit ArcadiaPublishing.com to see the history books we have about your town or state. Don't see a book about your town? Why not become an author? Scroll down to the bottom of any page of the site and click on the Become an Author button to tell the story of your town. Also, visit your local bookstore for books on your town. Arcadia Publishing and the History Press. Proud to be a preservationist and champion of local history. On this edition of Author Conversations, I speak with Mark Muncy, who has written Eerie Florida, Freaky Florida, and coming in September, Creepy Florida. We discuss how learning ghost stories can lead to surprising realities in history, along with delving into stories from Florida and across America. Hey Mark, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Johnny. How are you? I'm doing well. I am excited to talk to you like myself. You are a history nerd, and I th- believe we've had this conversation in the past. The best way to get to know the story of an area is to learn its folklore. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's all I've done is uh, my whole life is, you, you know, you, you, you collect stories about a place. And then that's where you that's the start because then you go, "Where did this come from why Why is this story here and that's when you start looking into it, you find the historical or you find the uh psychological reason you know and that's you know that's what anthropology is that's it's in sociology that's there they're just very you know versions of this
0: yeah absolutely and, you know some of our best sellers even not at Halloween or the haunted history or, you know, the true crime, anything creepy, because that gets people interested in history. And I believe that anything that gets anybody interested in learning about history is good.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we have, uh, you know, when Erie came out, uh, we had, we we were talking down at uh, Florida Supercon in Miami and uh, we were up against, I'll never forget. We were up against like uh, it was some big celebrities Q and a panel and uh, I won't say his name, but he starred on a show that rhymes with Shatterstar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, uh, but anyway, so we were up against you, know, like some, you know, him, and uh, you know, and a couple. Of, we're we're gonna have like maybe five people at this panel, and suddenly, um, we had this group of kids come in, and I'm like, whoa, are are they here for our panel? You know, and then we had a bunch of others come in and, you know, suddenly we're full. And this is before the book came out. We were just, you know, it was on our pre, you know, promotion tour and they loved it. And the kids were just awesome. We found out that it was a bunch of kids from a local private school uh, that were there for their Friday class. And they had picked and, they, you know, they got to go to this con. I'm like, man, I want to be in that school, get to go to a con for, you know, for a day. Uh, But the one panel they all picked was you know the one we were doing for Erie, florida which is myths monsters and legends and sure enough a year later we got called back to that school they had ordered special hardcover editions of Erie, florida and that is their history textbook for their eighth grade students now which is the myths monsters and legends of florida and it gets them into florida history
0: well so i grew up in georgia and i remember the eighth grade year was always the state history year a school to use your book has a textbook that's like the ultimate honor as a nerd. I was about to say it's that. Like, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, Carrie is like Carrie and I were like, "What?" because you know, they came back and they asked us to go down there and talk, and we went in and they had those editions. They were like, "This is our textbook." I'm like, "What?
0: This is nuts." Yeah. You know what, Mark? I'm I would be remiss. We are interviewing Mark Muncy, who's the author of Erie, Florida freaky florida creepy florida and by the way the book cover i saw today looks really good and i've sent you a foam core poster in the mail already what already yeah i sent it out today buddy cool yeah we got
1: tampa comic con in just a couple weeks so that'll be awesome we'll be able to show it off there
0: i am so glad and This is a little bit different than our other podcasts we've done, because obviously we're nerding out a little bit together. And I nerd out about history, but we nerd out about things like that, too. Uh, (laughs) The amount of cons that you do are incredible. But I also want to talk about Carrie. That's what I don't want to be remiss about, because her illustrations are incredible. and She's even illustrated a new book for us, Erie, Alabama, which I got to see the PDF for today. And incredible drawings. Yeah, she's dying to see that herself. She hasn't seen them yet. Yeah, you know, uh, but uh,
1: yeah, we uh, she yeah she cheated on me with another author for that one. So you know, uh, we don't talk about that. No, uh, <laughs> but, uh, that was exciting. Yeah, that's her first. You know, you know, sons me. So she was very happy to do that. And uh, man, they he, uh, she had to draw like three times as many, I think, for that one than we do from ours. We do a lot of photos and you know, archive search for ours. And uh, yes, yeah, so, so we've minimized the number of pictures. We try to just do those uh, those monsters that won't pose for anything, but you know, but blurry photographs, because they're all such divas. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> Bigfoot and skunk apes and uh, Pinky, the sea monster. So that's where Carrie comes in and she just brings them to life from these descriptions that people have brought. Uh, one of my favorites is the, uh, the Punta Gorda Turtle from Freaky Florida that yes. she did from a 1932 story
0: Actually, and... she drew that for me. I have it right here in the office. I'm looking at it. Oh,
1: good! Yay! Yeah, that's one of our favorites. I, I that one's amazing. I love that one.
0: I know you haven't seen Erie, Alabama yet, but let me tell you the the especially when it comes to the different types of werewolves she's drawn oh, are yeah. incredible. And the leprechaun she drew for that story is incredible. Yeah. You know, I, before that story hit YouTube in that book. I watched that video of the people in Mobile claiming they saw a leprechaun and I just thought this is going to be huge and now it's in a book and you and Carrie has drawn it it's incredible. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and that's um she that was one of the ones uh she had me pull up some uh, reference material from a couple other things that the author hadn't pulled up. I was able to find a couple more interviews with some of the witnesses and so she was able to you know flush it out a little bit which is pretty cool. That's one of the things we love doing is you know hearing the stories direct. Uh, when yeah you know, we yeah you know, we you you can look them up online and you can get stuff like that you can read the original accounts uh, for the stuff you know from hundreds of years ago yeah all you got's the original accounts but sometimes you get lucky you find a family member you find someone um, you know for Erie we had that original email from back in the '80s uh, of uh, you know oh I'm sorry '90s uh, it was an AOL email address and a GeoCities website that will tell you how long we had that story uh. Yeah, uh of the lady who emailed us about the gnomes of buck tower and uh that was long before we'd done the books that was
0: just back when we were still running our haunted house down here in st pete wait hold on a second mark Uh, i gotta interrupt you because i was gonna bring that up because that is a strange naked little man story yes (laughs) it's this is a g-rated show but that is the fact
1: yeah yeah no and what was crazy about it was you know we had that email and i'm like you know i can't i you know emailed back the lady, when we finally were doing the book, you know, it was 20 years later and um, all, you know, almost 30, not quite. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, so we we sent the email back and of course she'd been long dead. So I was like, well, we'll never re-verify this and I'll never get the, you know, we had the location, we had some other things. But thankfully to modern technology in the world of Facebook, we were able to, um, you know, we went on to one of those groups. You knew you grew up in. You know, and so we were on the, you know, you grew up in Lake Wales when, and I said, hey, does anybody know a story about police arresting a, you know, guy, maybe 12 inches tall uh, and naked in the 40s? And I I just left that there. And, you know, of course, that got tons of responses of people going, what? You know, this is stupid. You know, you know, you're crazy. And then sure enough, a civilian uh, worker from the police department, Lake Wales Sheriff's Department, contacted us and remembered the case. And uh, she was, you know, you know, long retired, but uh, remembered it. So now we have verification, and then we can go into the story. And now it's like, and now Lake Wales. Now Lake Wales is a spooky town. Uh, they have a they have a famous uh, landmark there called Spook Hill, uh, where you know it's a gravity hill. You pull up to the bottom of it, and you you, know, you put your car in neutral. And you know, backwards up the hill, you know. And it's it's a you know it's a distortion effect. Uh, it's an optical illusion, but it's a cool thing. And the town embraces it. So you know they call it Spook Hill Elementary for the school there. And you know Casper, the friendly ghost, is on their is their mascot. <laughs> and um, so when they found out that they had a story about gnomes in their town, yeah, they they are digging to try to find those records. But you know it's 1940s, and it's you know paper records, and they're stored somewhere, and who knows? It's Florida, so they you know might have been eaten by uh, you know mosquitoes or something else. You never know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it is a southern state, and that's our state bird here. In South Carolina is mosquitoes, so <laughs> it's an old joke and it's a corny joke, and I apologize to everybody listening.
1: Very, very true. We were up in your state for the Lizard Man Festival. Uh, not too long ago, and uh, that was amazing. Um, you have your own, you know, legendary beast there. I don't know why you guys don't have, uh, you know, reporters there daily trying to get the new stories. So uh, because that that alone was amazing. Just talking to a few of the witnesses and uh, hearing the tales at the was it the scrape ore swamp there where they spotted him and uh, the town made a uh, warning during the eclipse a few years ago or a couple years ago that, uh, you know, they don't know what the eclipse will do to lizard men in the area. So the, you know, the sheriff's department tweets that out. You uh, know This is, you know, you guys embrace it there. And that's, you know, that could be as big as Mothman.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and what you're talking about is lizard man. And it was first seen by a teen. And here's my problem with the story, but I'm glad there's other people who have seen it is. I, Kind of feel like that's a story I would have made up when I was running home past curfew and I ran into like a tree or something. I would tell my parents, yeah, it was a giant lizard who came out of nowhere. But there are other people who have seen a Lizard Man. Oh, yeah. No, we've there's, uh, you know, there's newspaper articles.
1: There's, uh, you know, um, quite a quite a bit. And they actually, you know, at the festival, it's uh, pretty cool. They actually handed out a coloring book um, and it had art and it had, like, sketches of all the witnesses that had told their stories. Uh, So I thought that was pretty cool, actually. I'm like, man, you don't get that at a Bigfoot conference. Oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) Definitely not. And there's that Bigfoot Museum in Georgia. Have you made it up there yet? Oh, yeah. Actually, we're supposed to be
1: going to an event there this year. Uh, We're still uh, finalizing the details, but uh, at some point in September, we're going to be at the uh, Bigfoot Festival in Clayton, Georgia. So...
0: That's amazing. You're gonna be talking about the skunk ape? Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're bringing the
1: Florida branch. Yeah, Florida likes to name things. Uh, I talk about that in my books as you know, we can't we can't just call something, you know, oh Bigfoot. No, no. He stinks, he lives in a swamp, he's a skunk ape. You know, we can't call him Sasquatch or anything else. No, no, we gotta give him a dumb name. Uh yeah, it's like our our, our resident sea serpent. Uh that's uh lives in the St. John's River, it's thirty feet long, it's got a big, you know, shell on its back. It's you know head with uh, horns or eye stalks, you know depending on the eyewitness. It's either a snail head or like a camel head with a you know with with horns and you know and all these things. But the thing is, he's bright. He's the color of boiled shrimp. He's bright pink. So what does Florida call him? Not you know the Johns River Beast or something like that. Nope, they call him
0: Pinky. Yeah. You know. Or either you could just say that Floridians are very literal. Yeah. You know? Because yeah, a lot of people learning. say that the Bigfoot stinks, and you know the Bigfoot's around if you yeah. you see him and you smell something bad. So,
1: yeah, and that's you know, and uh, like the um, you know uh, one of our famous skunk apes that's in the town of Barden. Um, you know, they, they they didn't even call him a skunk ape; they called him the Barden Booger. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's you know, and they even had a song in the '60s called the Barden Booger Boogie. Yeah, so
0: yeah, when <laughs> I read that in your last book, I looked up the song. I had to know. Yeah, the lyrics. It's out yeah. there.
1: Yeah, it's out there, and
0: uh,
1: it's 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 pretty crazy. So they did a Christmas album. I can't find that one anywhere. I'm trying. I'm not, that's going to probably have to be an eBay dig at some point. Is it like Santa Booger, or what's the name of it? That's just the Barton Booger Christmas. So I, yeah, I've, I've got to find it somewhere, but uh, I don't think that one was as popular. So I don't. It's that's a tough one to find. Something
0: I've always wanted to know. What? And I kind of know, but. And I think it might be with the Hellview Cemetery and after I asked the question if you want to explain that a little bit more that would be awesome yeah. for our listeners. But what first set you down this path of seeking out all things spooky, creepy, eerie? Okay. Well, my um it kind of
1: ties in to one of those um what's the they call it the theory of synchronicity where you you know things just kind of sync up. And, and suddenly it all makes sense. And, um, and uh, my earliest memory is uh, growing up in a house in Dayton, Ohio, and, uh, and going up into the attic and seeing some shadowy figure with red eyes staring back at me. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. I don't know. I still see it pretty vividly. And it's the only memory I have of that house. I, we moved out of there by the time I was five. Um, and so the fact that that memory is there is uh, pretty crazy. Uh, but I, you know, I just kind of put that off to the side. It's one of those, just an odd memory. Um, and um, I, you know, I was always, you know, a nerdy kid. So of course you're drawn to the nerdy stuff, which was mostly, you know, at my age, you know, this will date me a little bit. So this was, you know, mid '70s, late '70s. Uh, so you know, a certain thing called Star Wars came out and changed everything. But before that, you pretty much had uh, you know late night reruns of uh, of uh, Doctor Who and Dark Shadows, which was the only thing I could pick up on my little crappy uh, cableless life, which in, isn't uh, bad. Which isn't yeah, a bad. It, watch. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. No, they were amazing, uh, and that was just it. Blew my mind. And then uh, Twilight Zone reruns. Uh, it was on this one little channel out of Charleston, West Virginia, when we moved there, uh, that I could pick up. And, um, you know, and that was my life. And then, you know, and hearing the ghost stories around our family farm in Kentucky, which we would visit on the weekends pretty often. Uh, and that had a local legendary beast that, you know, I didn't believe the stories because it sounded so silly. Uh, it was called the Bench Leg. And it had a leg of a, a wooden leg and the body of a cow and the head of a man and a glue in the dark. So, so these stories you know, are all around my life. And I never really thought about them much. It just it was just something. And then we moved away, uh, to Florida. My father came here. Um, he was a big wig with Greyhound. And the Skyway Bridge disaster in mm. 1980. Um, it was the worst bus accident ever. The, the, the sun, Sunshine Skyway Bridge at that point was just the Skyway Bridge. Uh, collapsed at the mouth of Tampa Bay. Uh, got hit by an oil tanker, and 23 people died, including a lot of passengers on this Greyhound bus. So my dad was called down uh, to invest help with the investigation, and he fell in love with the area. And suddenly, we left Charleston, West Virginia, and moved to you know Florida when I was just a young kid, and I've been here ever since. Now, um, so you know, to come down for such a tragic thing. Is you know is is again synchronicity everything just kind of ties together. I know this sounds rambling, but I'll get to the point. Uh, So that's great. That's what this is for, so people can know who you are. Exactly. So we so we get down here. um, I grow up down here. I hear more ghost stories and legends as I'm through high school. Uh, I start getting into even more spooky stuff Uh, down here. I was able to find people to play Dungeons and Dragons, so you know, blossomed into full nerddom. And, um, and got into Renaissance Festival where I met more of my kind. And that was when my love of history started, was uh, you know, doing Renaissance Festival and you know, learning you know, medieval stuff. And you know, it went with Dungeons and Dragons. It was, you know, it was very cool. It was like, all right, so now I got some historical references. And then from there, it got into Civil War history. It got into you know, all kinds of history. And then you start looking into Florida history. And I knew West Virginia history pretty well, and I knew Ohio and Kentucky a little bit, but Florida seemed so crazy. The fact that it had been, you know, passed around by every European power because nobody wanted it, because it was full of people shooting arrows at you and disease. <laughs> you know, nobody really wanted this place. Yeah, you know, Just, here, take it, here, whatever. And then, you know, and then, you know, the fact that pirates ran certain islands completely, you know, it was like, what, Pirates of the Caribbean was real, but it was Florida? That's awesome, you know, and, uh, you know, you you learn all these things, and, you know, and then, so it all just ties together, but then, you know, um, I started doing a haunted house. It was just something, you know, wanted to do. I I worked for the theme parks for a few years and uh, worked at the first few Halloween Horror Nights Uh, and then, but uh, became a dad and uh, decided, well, I can't just keep driving up to Orlando uh, just to scare people, we'll do it in our yard. So, we started digging a grave in our front yard, and (laughs) which is uh, normal for anybody, which is you know, hey, who needs a yard? Uh, and um, you know, you know, a grave, it's important for Halloween. And we start digging and we see seashells now, not completely unusual because, um, because, uh, you know, uh, Florida was all underwater at some point. Um, but then we dig a little further and we start seeing bones. And we're like, oh, you know, have we found some crime scene or maybe some, you know, archaeological site? So we called the police to make sure it wasn't a crime scene. They came out and said no. And then uh, so we called uh, at that point was St. Pete Junior College. It is now St. Pete College. It grew up. That's how old this is. <laughs> uh, but, uh, they, they came in and they sent an archeologist out and he did a quick little survey and he's like, Oh, you're on a shell midden. And, um, wow. and I'm like, Oh, okay. He's like, yeah, no, any place that rises a little bit around here is probably shell midden. Don't worry about it. If you find any pottery or, you know, any more bones, let me know. But uh, can you explain so, what a shell
0: midden is? Uh,
1: so shell midden is basically, you know, beautiful Florida land, right? So even the natives came down here back in the day just like everybody else, drawn to the beaches, drawn to the land. And they would set up their, you know, areas. And they would uh, basically just, this was their landfill. They would uh, eat shells. That's, you know, their primary source of food was uh, seafood. And they would use the shells for tools. Yeah, they weren't like the natives up north that had all these wonderful trees and stone. It's Florida. It's all seashell and, you know, and scrub. So they basically had to make the tools out of what they had. So it was mostly seashells. Um, uh, but then they would just throw them in these big piles, and then they would layer them with dirt, and then they would you know and just keep building it up and building it up and that became like mounds, like you'd think everywhere else, you know Indian mounds they're these giant shell mounds, they're shell middens now they did actually have some burial mounds, and they do still have regular mounds that are just earth uh but for the most part, they built them out of shell and stone, and that's what a shell midden is. And they were all over the place down here. And then when people started moving down here in droves, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even, you know, the early 20s, they would just see these big piles of mound stuff and they would go, oh, let's get that out of here. And they'd just plow right through them, plow them over and knock them down. And, uh, you know, historical sites, you know, but they used them for fill, you know, and uh, used the dirt, you know, and and some of them used it to build stuff because that uh, kind of makes a coquina like substance which is uh, very similar to a uh, spanish concrete mix um and including saint augustine is like mostly built out of coquina yeah
0: um
1: uh, and um so it's uh so so, he, so he's like uh oh, it's a shell midden i'm just glad it's not one of the lost cemeteries and i'm <laughs> like lost cemetery do you have like, a, he's like, like
0: a poltergeist flashback in your
1: mind exactly you i'm like what and and exactly he tells me that there are five or six lost pioneer cemeteries and they basically you know when again florida you move down here you 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 build your settlement you put your homestead down this is you know late 1800s and uh suddenly indians come and scare you away or these things called you know hurricanes or tropical storms come in and you know yeah. and you wipe out everything you own you move away you're like that place. I ain't never coming back there. And then, you know, but that also you had your house, your family plot, sometimes your church, all that. You know, now it's all being reclaimed by Florida. A few years later, somebody else moves into the area and they go, wow, what a beautiful spot of land. Look at that flat spot over there. Let's put a house there, not realizing there was a cemetery underneath. And so over the years, you know, then the city starts springing up and they're on these old, you know, homestead plots so, sure enough, there are six or seven missing cemeteries in Tampa Bay. Uh, and uh, they've found three of them when they built the big dome down in St. Pete for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they found three cemeteries, but there's still many more missing. And uh, so the horror film fan in me looked them up and found uh, one of them was called uh, Hillview. And the Tales from the Crypt fan inside me went, oh, it must be Hellview. And that's we started basing our little haunted cemetery all on local legends and lore.
0: I am really now, fight myself really hard not to do my impression of the Crypt Keeper right now. Exactly. <laughs> I used
1: to do a pretty good one, too. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, that's really I, good. That is good. Welcome, kiddies. Wow. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I used to do voiceover work uh <laughs> he was he was one of my go-tos for warm-up um anyway we we make hellview cemetery we base it on local lore and legend we start throwing up the stories online making spooky stories and um then my uh we go to saint augustine to get some research
0: well you said you were making scary stories Were any of the stories in that area based in you know on local lore yeah were you it was oh, okay all... cool
1: it was all local lore and legends from Florida, mostly Tampa Bay area. Now, we spookified them, we called it. We called it Hell Viewing Them Up. Uh, we would take, uh, you know, there was uh, an infamous madam in Tampa Bay called, uh, that was Madame Orr. And I loved her because uh, she had a place called Madame Orr's Boathouse. And it was also called the Orr House. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was well, a Bordello. <laughs> yeah, it was a Bordello, the Orr. You know, infamous character in Florida history. And, um she basically ran ebor city's bordellos at, with you know and the then the mayor and the police chief would come and host beauty pageants for women to be able to work in her bordello. You had to win a beauty pageant to be able to work there. Wow. Um and the you know, the fact that the mayor and the the uh you know the chief of police ran the you know ran the contest shows you how much power this woman had. Uh and then you know the rough riders come in on their way to Cuba and a couple of them go missing. They, you know, refuse to report for duty after going to Matamoros. So Teddy Roosevelt has a deal with the city. You know, meeting with the city, and they burned her building down. Now, the fact that I can't find any information on this except for one newspaper article, you know, from the time, is amazing to me. And that was one of those characters. I'm like, okay, we're hell viewing this up. She, it's, it's not you know, just some crazy thing that Teddy Roosevelt wanted a moral thing done. I decided it was from dusk till dawn and uh, so that she was a vampire in a nest of vampires. And so, yeah, you know, we had a vampire bordello in our haunted house that was burning. Nobody knew what the story was. Wow. You're walking through a haunted house. All you see is things jumping out at you. But we had it up on our website as a story. And now the problem is, is like some historians have been trying to look her up and all they find is my stuff that I posted back in the 80s about her being a vampire. Anyway, back to the synchronicity here, the final piece that got us really into the real stuff. At this point we've just been doing the spooky versions, you know, and all this, and it's all legendary. It's kinda cool. I'm finding out where the legends come from and all this. And then we go to Saint Augustine. Uh it was then uh my then wife and my two young children. Uh we had just started Hellview, they were babies. And uh, we're out in St. Augustine. I'm trying to get some, you know, ghostly information, some some more ghost tales that we can work into the haunted house. And I didn't really know much about St. Augustine at the time. I'd been looking into the, you know, the history of it, but I didn't know the ghost stories. Um, and uh, this was before Arcadia started publishing Ghost Stories of St. Augustine, so that's that'll date this a little bit. Um, but anyway, we got there and we're taking one of the tours. And we're walking by Huguenot Cemetery, and of course they're telling the stories of Huguenot Cemetery, and uh, it's an amazing place, right across from the Castillo de San Marco, the the famous castle of mm. St. Augustine. And um, and my youngest is a little rambunctious at this point. She's you know a baby, and uh, not quite, you know, like four, I think, three or four. And she runs, she's like, Let, Dad, let's go over there. And I kind of knew the Huguenot stories, so I was not too really interested in it. So I walked over and knew we were going to be going through the city gates. So I go over and sit on the wall to the ancient city gates. And my daughter starts playing around, and I'm just kind of half keeping an eye on her. And then she comes running up to me and goes, Dad, Dad, we have to be careful of Jack. I said, what? She said, my friend. My friend over there told me we have to be careful of Jack. And I'm Mm. like okay. And I, I'm assuming she's met some kid or, you know, around the corner or something. Um, and then the ghost tour comes over with my oldest daughter and my wife and, uh, and they come over and he starts talking about the city gates and the yellow fever epidemic that wiped out the city at this point. Uh, you know, uh, and that the gatekeeper was the first person to die and the gatekeeper had a young daughter who hung around the gates. And she stayed on duty after her father died, still warning people about yellow fever, telling them to stay away because of the yellow fever that had gripped the town for months, until she died of yellow fever. And immediately I start putting things together in my head. And I look up at the guy who's running the tour and I said, hey, what did they call Yellow Fever back then? What were some of the names for it? And I I was like, did they call it Jack? And he's like, oh yeah, they called it Yellow Jack. And I looked over at my daughter and I'm like, who told you this? And she's like, oh, the little girl over by the gate. (laughs) Well, that was suddenly, I'm like, okay, so these ghost stories have some merit. And it's one of her earliest memories, and then I went back to my earliest memory of seeing the shadowy thing in my attic, and I'm like, "Wow, there, there's more to this world." So I'm not saying it's a ghost. I'm not saying it's a paranormal thing. It's just something.
0: But Mark, here's the thing: you, you're talking about your daughter seeing it, you know, yep. and there's some things that I can explain from when I was a kid, you know, and I don't know if it was just like something in my kid mind or not, but it seems like. Kids, I guess maybe because you know uh, a lot of us adults we become so cynical about things it feels, it seems like they have more experience, even animals seem more you know if you oh yeah, what is sensitive you know? And, you know I don't really know how I feel about it yet. I want to try to keep a clear head about it so I don't freak myself out really, but it's it, it just seems like you know kids and animals are just so much more likely to have some kind of encounter. Well, and that's
1: we we like to call the uh, all these phenomena um, preternatural instead of supernatural. Hmm. Uh, preternatural being we don't understand how it works yet. Someday we might. I mean, the the preternatural of one generation becomes the natural of the next generation. You know, for a time we didn't understand yeah. how magnet magnets work, so we we just refused to admit it existed. You know, but now we understand them, and that's you know, oh, it makes sense. You know, it's, you know, and, you know, and it becomes, you know, science. And I still think to this day, I mean, Tesla, Edison, these guys were looking into ways to talk to the dead. They wanted to see. They thought it was a science. You know, but,
0: and... Yeah, EMF's not a new thing. You're right. No. Yeah.
1: It's been around since the day Bell started making phone calls and started getting weird signals back. Nobody else had a phone. <laughs> you know, so... You know, it's, uh, you know, so there's definitely unusual stuff. And then when we go out and we talk to these people or we go on, we, we're we more paranormal journalists than uh, I like than, that. You I like know, that a lot. Yeah. We, you know, we go with ghost hunting teams. We go with skunk ape expeditions. We go on, you know, UFO watches. Um, we go to all these locations in our books um, because we want the story. We want to know what people saw and all that. And then, you're getting their responses, and ninety percent of these people, when you, they tell you what they saw, they're you can tell they're telling the truth. It's not they're not making something up. And you can watch like one guy was explaining this one encounter with a UFO he had seen um, over his boat, and you know he was out in the water, and his depth finder went from four hundred feet to twenty feet, and he thought he had gone off course or you know, or, or a whale was coming up underneath him. You know, he didn't know what the heck. And he gets outside and he sees this black shape under the water, giant black shape, and then suddenly it takes off out of the water, hovers above him without making much more than a hum, you know, 100 feet above his boat, and then takes off, you know, in a blink of light. The guy, the hairs on his arm are standing on in as he's telling the story. I mean, this guy saw something, terrified him.
0: So that would be a USO, right?
1: Yeah, a USO, yeah, an unidentified submerged object, which became an unidentified flying object. That's why a lot of the people who talk to research them think they're the same, one and the same. And we're starting to realize now. It's funny, even just five, ten years ago, the UFO guys wouldn't talk to the ghost guys. The ghost guys wouldn't talk to the Bigfoot guys. Yeah, the Bigfoot guys, yeah, know, wouldn't talk to the ESP people. Yeah, and it's, and it's funny because now they're all realizing, hey, we're all on this fringe and some of these things are overlapping maybe why we can't find bigfoot tracks and bigfoot bodies is maybe he's not all here you know maybe he's tied in with ufo's or maybe he's tied in with extra dimensional you know we're learning about you know and now we're learning about parallel worlds and parallel universes and quantum you know and you know stuff stuff that's in marvel comics is now becoming mainstream physics i like that in you know creepy we started really delving into ghosts and paranormal for the new one and um, and uh, there's some they 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 they're starting to classify them almost like Ghostbusters, which is amazing. Mm. You know, not a class four full roaming vapor or anything like that. But you know, you have what they call uh, level ones, which are basically stone tape is the name for them, based on an old 1970s Nigel Keel uh, movie, which I wound up watching and it was really good. Um, and it's basically those are the recordings. Those are the ones where it's just. Oh a recording, something that's over and over and doesn't seem to interact and doesn't seem to do anything. Uh, They're just, it's recorded into the stone of the building they're in. And uh, so I love that they call them stone tapes. Uh, And then, uh, you know, the next step up are the ones that have a bit more consciousness and can interact. That seems to be where we get our EVPs. They seem to be, they, they call them remnants where they're more, you know, they they're a bit more substantial. They 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 have a memory. They they remember the home. They remember emotions. Uh, and again, tend to be more friendly, communicative. Uh, then you got the next step, which is a bit more where we start delving into poltergeist activity. Things start you know moving around. Things start happening. Uh, and that's you know those tend to even have more consciousness. Uh, some people think malevolent. Some people think uh, you know playful um again you know it's kind of hit or miss on those and then the levels beyond that is where it starts getting scary and um and if you if you watch anything on travel channel or discovery channel you'll note now that it used to always be like Steve Reeves Europe and all this stuff, but now it's all ghosts and monsters and demons and dead files and, and all
0: this. It's like
1: they know somebody where somebody
0: getting like. scratched and whatnot. Yeah, somebody got
1: scratched, demonic entities, demonic this, demonic that. And it's like, okay. Not everyone is like this guys, but I understand for TV you gotta make a buck. and I will tell you this for anyone who wants the you know, sees the shows and thinks, Oh my gosh, every night's Halloween and you know, it's amazing. No, when you go on a ghost hunt, it is sitting in a building. Your phones have to be on airplane mode because you can't have any signals going in or out, throwing off the equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually pretty dark. Uh, and you sit for hours and then you walk around, you look for things, but you have to be very careful where you go and what you say because somebody three rooms over is picking you up, you know, um, and then afterwards it's weeks of watching all that footage and listening to all that tape (laughs) and it is you know they edit that down into 45 minutes yeah you're gonna get some pretty good stuff you edit anything down to 45 minutes it looks good mark will you talk a little bit about robert the doll uh for those that don't know robert the doll he's the last chapter in erie florida we saved the best for last
0: yeah, and, you know, you guys got to read about Robert. The, you have to read Mark's story. He's had an encounter with Robert. How did that go, your encounter with Robert the Doll? Well, we've we've had a
1: few meetings with Robert now. Uh, oh, my really? Favorite,
0: my favorite part about Robert
1: is not... Robert himself is amazing. You have to be nice to Robert. You have to be very friendly to Robert. You have to be respectful to Robert, or bad things happen. There's that whole wall behind him. Uh, right now it's all digitized because uh, Irma wiped out a lot of the letters but there oh. used to be a wall of handwritten letters behind Robert and you can spend a day reading these letters people apologizing to Robert now Robert is a, about a three foot tall leather faced doll uh, and he is the inspiration for Hollywood's Chucky so uh, that'll tell I you a little to, yeah. bit about this doll
0: uh, by I the way, that from you by the way
1: Yeah, that's uh, well, we learned it from uh, one of the writers of uh, Child's Play. Um, He had come to Key West and remembered that story. Um, He never actually saw the doll. He just remembered the story, which is pretty cool to me. Uh, But um, uh, the power of words. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, he... um, Anyway, Robert is this little doll. And if you take his photo without permission or do or say bad things or treat him disrespectfully you get cursed, bad things happen. Now, a lot of people go, oh, curses, oh yeah, that's baloney. There are letters and letters and letters and letters and letters of people apologizing to Robert, including three former presidents have letters to Robert the Doll. Most of them aren't apologies, most of those are just like wishing him happy birthdays and stuff, which is kind of fun. Uh, but but the, the apology letters are amazing. Uh, my personal favorite that I always quote is uh, this one we saw our first trip there. It said, Dear Sir Robert, uh, I'm sorry I made fun of your leather face and called it stupid. I think leather is actually nice for a face. Um, we took some photos without permission, but we deleted them. Uh, please remove your curse. We get the message. Please fix my eye, my Xbox, and my marriage.
0: Wow. And I love that he put them in that order. Yeah, I do, too. He's like, well, <laughs> Rhett, the Red Ring of Doom is an issue, too. Yeah. You
1: but know, he has so have fix to have the to play the Xbox you yeah. know, properly. And, he's, and, if he, and he really needs the Xbox if marriage is the third thing on his list. So, you know, I think the Xbox might be more important at that point. But uh, so we have a mini Robert we take with us. Now, the mini Roberts that you can get at the museum he's in, he's in Key West. It's at the Fort East Morello Museum. Uh, which is uh, a civil war fort that's been turned into an art museum is very eclectic, awesome place. A couple ghost tours will take you there at night. uh, So you can have some private time with Robert. Um, And uh, it's one of those, if you look at the photos in our book, we took a photo day one of Robert, and then we went back later that evening and got a night photo of Robert. And uh, if you look at the two pictures in our book, these were taken a few hours apart. Uh, he's got a little plush lion. Robert has his own doll. And um, if you look at the two pictures, he's been in that case all day. The lion is on a different arm in the second photo. And we didn't even notice that until we put the photos together for the book. And uh, And for those who wonder, yes, we did ask permission of Robert to get permission to use his photos in the book. And if you look at the captions on those pages, they're a little different than the captions on our rest of our photos. And uh, you'll have to pick up the book to see that.
0: Hey, Mark, why do you think, not only at Halloween, but we're, you know, we always are so attracted to stories and things of the supernatural, or what did you call it, the pre- pre- preternatural? Preternatural, preternatural. In that realm. Yeah. It's It's the, you know... It goes
1: back to our primal fears. I mean, that's why where I, where I ran a haunted house, a, you know, a haunted house attraction, was everybody wants to be scared. Everybody it gets that adrenaline rush. It gets that, you know, that feeling that, you know, oh my gosh, am I in danger? But the key is we want that, but we want to be safe. That's why we love watching serial killer documentaries. But you know, the idea of actually going out and looking for a serial killer, probably not something we want to do. You know, it's like we love watching, you know, spooky, ghostly movies. And, uh, you know, there's a region The Conjuring and Annabelle are, you know, billion dollar franchises almost up there with superheroes. Uh, just. Um, it's it's that we want that scare, but we don't. But we also want it safe. Well, we like roller coasters, why we like, mm-hmm. you know, all that it's, you know, it's the fear, but we want to be safe. You know, um, Houdini had a great thing that he would never do anything that wasn't as safe as sitting in his living room and um and that's you know and that's that was a you know that was just his thing and uh you know you'd think about all his death defying stunts, no, they were all perfectly safe, he knew it was safe, but uh yeah, no it's uh you know, and that's just it we start looking into these legends and you know we hear you know we you know we started researching a couple of them for the haunted house, and it turned out okay, this goes completely different direction and and then even now, a few years later we're finding even more stuff that's even you know you know oh wow, that we thought it went one way and it goes another direction if you look at it from a different angle and um so you know that's you know it's a constant ongoing it's' you're, you're always learning.
0: is there anything you want to come across that you haven't come across in an encounter? Is there something you're looking forward to skunk ape, pinky, what have you?
1: um well, like I said on all these journeys. I finally did run into uh my uh classic monster the bench leg from yes. uh on my family farm, <laughs> and I wrote about that in our on your Arcadia blog one year to add my little piece to that story and that's uh why we are you know officially deciding to head out of the state and start looking at some of these more uh famous creatures I can uh safely announce I guess. Uh, you know, if that's you why come up to Charleston, man.
0: you need to let me know. I used to be a tour guide here in the city of Charleston. Oh, wonderful! That's I would love to agenda. show you around.
1: That is on the agenda. We are uh, we are calling it our big spooky road trip at this point, point. Uh, and we are going to hit some of these bucket list sites. Um, you know, we you know my my bucket list includes such infamous places as uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, oh wow! of course, uh, Roswell. I've been to Waverly. I've been to Penhurst. Uh, I would love to go back to them. Uh, been to Point Pleasant, uh, but we're going back. Uh, you know, um, I don't think we'll be joining the area 51 run, uh, because I, I know everything that was in area 51 is now Wright Patterson air force base. And I've been there many mm. times.
0: Uh, so <laughs> those in the yeah. know, Yo, we yeah uh, we know this stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a room that uh, apparently if you come out of there in Ohio at the Wright Patterson, I mean you're gonna get shot. So <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you lose yeah. this oh, room, oh. shoot it. What? Yeah, yep. There's actually uh, a few stories about that. I've got one that we're working on right now that uh, is pretty crazy, and I wish I could tell you more, but that's uh, that'll be a tease for a future project. Uh, oh, no. But, uh, um, but no, you know my my honestly, uh, the 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 dream. Yeah, yeah, we've we've talked to people who've seen these things. We've seen some unusual things, um, you know. So you know, the bucket list is kind of we we you know. Is there anything more? Yeah, it's just there's always that. What's next? And uh, I I would love to see from a safe distance a Dogman. That's the bucket list.
0: Oh, so wow. Beast
1: of Bray Beast of Bray Road, we're coming for you. So, uh, you yeah, know, we got some stories from some people who've seen him here in uh, Florida, but there are so many more up north. So, and I got to yeah, say, that's
0: but... a creepy story. Would you tell a little bit about the dog man real quick? So yeah, that's know? basically
1: Bigfoot's scarier movie brother. Yeah, he looks like, I mean, every witness who's seen one says 100% looks like a werewolf out of a freaking movie. That is, you know, only they don't say freaking. Uh, you know, so, yeah, yeah, they, they are Pointy eared long snouted and they they're not a, some people think they're a recent phenomenon no they've been around a lot longer they're just now they're being spotted more and I think it's more because they're becoming more you know aggressive more people are you know, in the areas now um, and uh, you know they seem to have like territorial battles with bigfoot and skunk apes. This sounds very conspiratorial and crazy I know, but those in the know will tell you this is a very real thing. And they are um, scary. So yes, I want to see one from a safe distance. Um uh, we've you know, we've we've been on some skunk ape hunts and heard some noises. We've never seen one, but we've heard some noises and talked to some people who have, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, that's about probably as close as I'm ever gonna get. So that was nice. Um and Lizard Man Festival, like I said, talking to that, I'd love to see a lizard man. We've got a pet lizard, our pet lizard Claudius. You can follow him on Instagram because he is quite the diva. Uh, but, What's uh, his handle on Instagram? It's uh, I think it's Claudius C L A W, you know, oh. Claudius. Because uh, again, history nerd. So my my previous lizards were all <laughs> and snakes were all named after Roman emperors. So Claudius just fit for this guy, and uh, and uh, he's I think it's just Claudius the lizard. Uh, that's Carrie runs that one. That's that's her. Uh, that's that's our uh, that's our uh, or she calls it our scaled cat. So <laughs> he's a big Savannah monitor and he's awesome. And we'd like to see his big brother out in the scary, scare or swamp scrape or swamp out in uh, South Carolina
0: with you. Have you been in the Stanley hotel? Uh, yes. I love we're going, that place. Again,
1: we're going back. Uh, we um, LA, I got sh- short changed on. We didn't have much time in LA or Anaheim. So uh, there's a couple places there I want to re-hit uh, Hollywood Cemetery. Would love to go there, um, uh, especially since uh, Penn and Teller have a grave there that is, is this year card, uh, and it's like a three of clubs. So it's you know you do a magic trick and you you, know, you fail your trick and then you take your friends out to that grave. Yeah. You know, wow. That's how extensive they are, which is awesome. Roosevelt uh, Hotel. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Roosevelt. And then um, and then uh, we still haven't been to Graceland. So which, you know, and then, of course, the most haunted building in America that no, the most the most famous haunted building in America. Let's put it that way. What's the most famous haunted building in America? Famous haunted.
0: I'm not sure what it is. What is the
1: most haunted? The most famous haunted. Let's put the famous there. That's the play on words. Most famous haunted house is the White House. Oh, because so many presidents have seen ghosts there and reported them. A lot of them have claimed to have seen Lincoln. So, hey, Mark, not... have you
0: seen that picture recently of a guy who claimed to have found Lincoln's ghost in a picture from the 1950s when they were gutting the White House during the Truman administration? Right,
1: right, exactly. And that's, you know, there that's a, a supposedly a real thing. I mean, uh, Kennedy reported talking to him, Carter, uh, a few others, you know, so it's, you know, it's. That's definitely the most famous. And there's supposed to be other ghosts there too. Now, most haunted, that's debatable. And it all depends on where you go. We've got a few contenders here in Florida. Uh, and a few contenders in every state, I'm sure. There's always more, you know, and that's thats just thats the problem. It's like you, you just keep finding more and more. And, uh, you know, we put the books out and then, sure enough, Three months after the books come out, we find out more. It was like the first book way back when we wrote about Dozier, the Dozier School for Boys, one of the most infamous places in Florida. Now, oh yeah, and just last month they were cleaning up some of the leftover trees from Irma a year a year ago. That's how long it's taking for cleanup. And they found they think more graves. So Professor you Kimberly hit
0: me.
1: No, Professor Kimberly, who we talked to in the first book, is out there this week actually looking for potential new grave sites
0: see that's what that story is it i I mean people just have to read it to do it justice really but it's one of those stories that are is interesting infatuating but it 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 leaves a feeling in the pit of your stomach
1: oh yeah it's that's why
0: uh honestly when we
1: were doing the books we tried to lay them out from north to south right we you know we basically did it so you could drive across the state and follow our path that one, we purposely put it at the end because it's if you put that in the front of your book, no one's going to read any further because they're going to be crying and they're going to be throwing up and it's just going to be terrible. And,
0: you know. Well, I mean, it's just like Rosewood that you put in. Too. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, that's, that's Rosewood. was that the That's the second book, right? Rosewood. Yeah, that was in Freaky.
1: Thankfully, that's in the middle of the book. So, well, you know, we did. We were able to keep the path on that one. Again, yeah. just another dark spot of Florida history that you cannot unhear once you know the story.
0: Yeah, but it's important to know that story, too, because it you know, it shows the dark side of humanity, which we don't like a lot of times to think about. That's why I think we follow so many celebrities who are on Instagram or what have you, endorsing this or that or just putting happy pictures on, but you also have to confront that side. And like you said earlier mm-hmm. when I was asking why we like the supernatural, the preternatural, preternatural, you need to know that it's so you don't what brings someone to that what are people turning a blind eye to so that we can combat that
1: yeah and it's also uh, you know like it's it's so that we feel you know we've got something out there that isn't us that's the thing that's the problem we've, you find out stories like this where it's us and yeah. it's not a monster it's not demonic possession it's not a ufo it's not a you know that's some of the most horrifying stuff and yeah. and and then, and then, and then they turn them into a tale, And uh, that's one of, you know, our story of mini lights from the first book, you know, it's, you, you, you find several versions of her where she's mini lightning, the voodoo queen of St. Pete mm-hmm. and her little alligator children will come, or alligator people will come out and steal your children. And you sit there and you know and you go, where did that come from? And then, we found out again a few months after we went to publication. We were back in the Saint Pete history archives, and we found a fan, and it all goes back to tourism. The story goes back to tourism. We found this fan from an alligator farm in Tampa Bay, and this fan you know, you would give to a tourist, you know, some a hand fan, right? And you just mm-hmm. you know to cool off. It's Florida. It's in the thirties. It's like a federal no fan. Thing. Yeah, it's it's it, there's no air conditioning. It's the only way to cool off. And if you're out at this alligator farm, you want to watch the alligators be excited. What did they do? They rounded up children and threw them in the alligator pits to excite the alligators. Hmm. And that became the legend. Mini lights. So, you know, watch out for mini lights after dark because her, her men will come and get your children. And now it's evolved into this story where if you are out late at night, mini lightning will come get you, and she'll send her alligator men to get you. And that wow. so that becomes the how to keep your kid in at night. Don't go out at night. You know, stay home. You'll be safe. And, you know, so now it's a sociology thing.
0: Well, see, I like the fact, too, is you're just not talking about scary stories or weird things, which are fun to talk about. You're not afraid, too, to say, look, this happened we are you know it reminds us all that there are still horrible things happening and we shouldn't turn a blind eye to it thank you for bringing that to people's attention in your books
1: oh yeah no that's 100 percent. that's why that uh school down in miami that's you know using our books they were talking like their history books barely talk about these subjects they, they don't their history book doesn't mention rosewood anywhere in their history book even the high school history book didn't mention rosewood and it's like uh you know one of the biggest race wars you know basically in 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 america let alone florida i mean it was such a big deal
0: that john voigt was in a movie about it yeah exactly and again
1: they dramatized it uh and and it's funny because you know it all started because some tampa reporter had a family member from there who vaguely had heard a story about it and he starts researching it and you know not until the you know the 1980s does it start coming back out? Because there was this culture of silence about it. The survivors tried to, you know, they were afraid someone would come after
0: them. Even into the 80s. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then the people who lived in the area just wanted it gone. They didn't want, you know, people knowing about it. They saw a family who had participated. Yeah, you know, and it's, you know, basically one town wiped out another town. A white town wiped out a black town. And it's pretty terrible. And uh, all because of some rumors And uh, when you, when you look into the history of it, it's, it's terrifying. I, I heartily encourage everyone to look into it just because it's definitely a sobering story. And um, again, we went there looking for ghosts and then we found this history and we were like, Oh my gosh. So yeah.
0: Well, I do want to end the podcast on a brighter note and I have to ask, is Florida man featured in this book or an upcoming book? (laughs) I think he's featured in everything we write because I right? realize
1: Florida man isn't something new. It's been going around since, you know, the pre-dawn civilizations area, you know, the native Americans had Florida man, you know, they're there. You know, the, the, the uh, had their own, you know, crazy stories of uh, guys doing some insane things. Uh, one of the things we learned about uh, were what they called murder holes down here where they would uh, dig holes and then they would capture a member of a nearby tribe that they didn't like, and they wouldn't kill him. They would put him in this, these holes filled with water that were you know, like uh, low tide out on the beach, and they would dig this deep hole, and then they would wound him in there oh. just to lure, you know, in salt water, to lure in the sharks. Because they couldn't do much with the person, but for a shark, they've got skin, they got meat, they use their bones as weapons. You know, they use their teeth to make drills so that they could drill into the the limestone in the area. It's, um, you know, so it's like okay, so some crazy guy figured out, oh hey, let's dig a deep hole, let's put somebody in it and bleed them out so that it'll lure in sharks. I'm like, so yeah, so Florida man's been around a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I if love they, Florida you know, man. Yeah, uh, it's uh, my favorite thing with the whole Area Fifty One memes, which you know have been the best part about this Area Fifty One storming thing. Yes, have been the uh, the memes online. Oh my gosh, there was one and uh, you know let's nerd out. Let's go out on a nerd note here. It's the two towers. It's the Helm's Deep battle, right? And you see all you know Theoden up on the wall with Legolas and Aragorn, and they're looking out at all the orcs. But of course, it says Area Fifty One guards. And then he's going, Is this the best Facebook has to offer? And you see all the orcs, you know, the thousands of orcs out there. And then you see that Urukai with the torch and the explosives running at the wall. And it says Florida Man. That <laughs> and then it comes back and the wall's exploding. And you see Theoden going, Crap. <laughs> uh, well, hey, Mark, before you go, you got any upcoming events you want to plug? Uh, well, we'll be at Tampa Bay Comic Con uh, in the first week in August. Uh, then we have uh, a couple events. We we frequently sign now. It's almost to the point where I don't tell you about it because, you know, hey, it's old news. Uh, but we sign at the Shop of Wonders in Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. It's a, uh, a shop. It's right around the corner from Hogwarts and uh, the Harry Potter world. We're on the Lost Continent Island. And we're right next to the Talking Fountain. So how cool is that?
0: That is cool.
1: Uh, and uh, our our books are available there. And uh, we are there uh, three or four times a month. If you ask the shop, they will tell you. Or if you follow us on eerieflorida.com, you can follow our event list. We try to post when we're going to be there. But sometimes we don't get a lot of notice when they need us. Uh, but uh, we'll be doing our book launch uh, when that comes out at the end of September at the ever-popular Books at Park Place at their new location on St. Pete Beach. Uh, will be, uh, I don't know if they're still going to call themselves Books at Park Place. They haven't been at Park Place in 12 years, but they'll probably (laughs) still keep that name. Uh, But uh, they've moved like three times since they were at Park Place, and they still kept the name. Well,
0: she Uh, has name recognition also.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's a beautiful store. We love that store. Um, And then, uh, and of course we'll be doing the tour after that. We'll be hitting a lot of places in October. So just watch our website. And we'll be capping it off with Spooky Empire uh the big Halloween and Horror Convention and that's in or uh, Tampa this year not Orlando uh and that'll be uh first week uh, Halloween night through November 3rd and that's got big guests like Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi and Ted Raimi of the Evil oh, Dead wow. movie. James Hong from uh, uh from Big Trouble in Little China uh which is I'm super excited about and if you know that movie you're a friend of mine and uh and then just uh, my
0: wife watched that last year
1: it's great and then Clive Barker is also going to be there so um so a lot of big names and then mark muncie of Erie, florida and freaky florida with his lovely and talented illustrator wife carrie schultz
0: absolutely absolutely and lucky, talented
1: the amazing claudius might make an appearance there
0: mark thanks for joining us i appreciate it all right thank you sir have a wonderful night and what a great job i have in just the things I get to do, the people I get to talk to. I hope you enjoy this interview with Mark Muncie. Remember to check us out at ArcadiaPublishing.com. Check your local bookstores for books about your town, too. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can search for Arcadia Publishing on those social media platforms and uh, give us a follow. I hope you'll join us again as we continue our author conversation series presented by Arcadia Publishing and the History Press.